There's more than just the wind blowing in this springtime. Next on Principles and Policies. Welcome to today's edition of Principles and Policies. I'm your host, Barry Sheets, the Executive Director of the Institute for Principles and Policy. And along with me today is my co-host, the Chairman of the Institute, my fellow analyst and very good friend, Chuck Michaels. Hey, it's very good to be back with you. Uh, good to be here. Uh, yeah, uh, we have to apologize about, we tried to record a show and there was an issue, uh, a technical issue, and it Barry and I are about 40 minutes into a recording, and I just noticed that the recording had stopped and it never went anywhere. Uh, we lost everything. So, surprise, it's a bigger surprise uh, to us maybe than to you. So, we had to run a rerun. But uh, um, it's good. Well, hopefully, to be- everything will st- everything will stay uh, online this time, and we'll be able to get it done and get it out. So, well, I'm watching it more clearly closely than i did the last time well that's all right we appreciate that but uh boy i'll tell you what there's a lot to talk about and a lot has gone on the last couple of weeks um personally um politically um socially culturally i mean folks you know usually springtime is full of turbulence you know we had like windstorms and thunderstorms and rain boy it's turbulent all over the place now uh, not just in the weather in everything. It's turbulent in everything. In just about everything. And so we're going to be talking about a lot of different issues uh, today and into the upcoming weeks. But uh, first, you know, we want to kind of wrap up something we've been talking about for a few weeks beforehand. And that was the Relationships Under Construction uh, event that uh, was that had happened just a couple of weeks ago. We were going to report on that when the uh, uh, radio god said, nope, uh, you, you can't you can't record this this week. That's right. So we're going to record. So we're recording it now. So, Chuck, if you want to give everybody a lowdown on what's been going on, I mean, they heard Catherine when she was on the program with us. Uh, they know a little bit about what's going on with the organization, but uh, give us a wrap up of how everything went. Well, everything went swimmingly well. It went very well. We're very happy with uh, with what happened. Uh, we had almost four hundred people show. We did have over four hundred that were registered. But as always happens, anybody who uh, runs those things knows that more people, usually, not always, more people register than actually come. But we had very close to 400 in attendance, which is one of our biggest ever. Um, And we also had one of our biggest uh, donation cycles ever, Um, which is a good thing. Um, Because, you know, we need that funding. And actually, because our funding uh, has been cut. Now, why has it been cut? It's Believe it or not, it's been cut because supposedly there are few fewer people under the poverty line in Ohio than there have been. I don't know. Which, how I, that, find, which I find that to be completely amazing considering the devastation that happened in this state over the COVID shutdowns and lockdowns and businesses closing. And the lack of materials and people and prices going up uh, for consumable goods and for your uh, produce, your groceries, uh, your vehicles and everything else. So I find that very interesting that uh, the state would come up with that kind of a particular uh, angle to say, oh, well, no, you don't need that much money because, oh, everybody's doing better. Um, Mike DeWine much? Yeah, Barry, it's the same magical thinking that that lets uh, Joe Biden come out and say say he's created all these jobs, um, 
when in fact he created he has destroyed jobs um and liberals you know go out and trumpet the fact that he oh four million jobs or some ridiculous number uh meanwhile we all know people who have uh are not um on the unemployment and they're not on the take anymore i think the take is the uh you know the covid relief is about to go away which means a lot of these people are just basically doing nothing they're not looking for work uh they're not making their own companies and and uh, being entrepreneurs they're not doing anything they're just off the rolls period uh now what does that mean that there's a whole lot of those people they are a drain on the economy um when people don't work people don't produce revenue that means tax revenue goes down that also uh-huh. means that business goes down because why well people think, yeah i i can do without uh, you know you know i own a supplement company uh we've gone through the experience now of uh with the with the uh over doubling of the cost of gasoline <clears throat> We can see that uh, people and the grotesque increase in the cost of groceries. People sit there and go, let's see, gasoline or groceries or vitamins. Well, I guess uh-huh. I'll buy gasoline and groceries. That that has affected my business. Even though through the pandemic, we did very well. Why? Because there was money being pumped in. Well, what do we have in its wake? We have uh, We have basically empty wheelbarrows that used to have money in them. Uh, how do you refill those coffers? Well, I, I saw one say the other day, we know that taxes have to be increased. Oh, right, because we're going to tax our way into prosperity. Well, that's always worked, right? Oh, yeah, never once. Uh, but in any case, uh, going back to uh, RUC. Yes. Yeah, we've uh, because uh, people have, uh, have are now more people are above the poverty line. Ha, ha, ha uh magically uh put uh our funding was cut by a certain percentage well this will help us make it up uh and as we stated at the meeting and Catherine stated we still have need for we have the money for and have need for teachers especially in certain uh counties like down where you are gal galpolis yeah, uh, Gay County, Lawrence yeah, County. Yeah, exactly. Scioto County, Benton, Meigs, yeah, Jackson. But also up around Mansfield. Yep. Um, some of those counties also need teachers. Um, you know, are you going to make a billion dollars a year uh, teaching for REC? No, but you're going to have the joy of knowing that you are passing the truth on to uh, the next generation. There's a lot of teachers that do this for the reward they love doing it for that now again you get paid but it's not tons of money but if you have any inclination at all to teach you don't have to have a teaching certificate you don't have to have you do have have to have a modicum of knowledge and be able to come in and teach a credible class but you get a lot you get trained on how to do that and you get materials they don't just say thanks for coming in and set you loose. They give you materials, they give you the training, and we need that. But yes, we did very well. We're hoping that in pledges and and I believe we got a hundred thousand dollars. That's now, incredible. That's yeah. wonderful. 
that not all that's received, but it's pledges and things. And we generally double, double that through the year. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you like the, what we do, relationshipsunderconstruction.com. I think the other one is rucinc.net, I think. But relationshipsunderconstruction.org. It's R-U-C-I-N-C dot yeah. net. Yeah. Dot net. Yeah. I remember because Catherine and I talked about that when, we were on, when she was on the program. Right, exactly. And you can see what we do. And if you like what we do, help us with a donation. Absolutely. Uh, is it, it's money it's money well spent. But we did very well at the banquet. We're very pleased. And we pray that the Lord uses those resources we've been given to continue to help us drop the number of abortions that are being done. That's why we're so hooked up with crisis pregnancy centers and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Because we do want to end the scourge of abortion. We know that God will not bless this land while abortion continues here. Now, it's always been here. There's always been abortions, and there's always been people doing it. But the fact is that it was illegal. Mm-hmm. And that pleases God that we were. I knew a guy, my hometown in Hebron, uh, everybody knew what he did, and he spent time in jail for it. And uh, he'd get out, and he'd go right back to it. Why? Because it was lucrative for him. It was worth him doing the time. He wasn't a licensed physician, but he also was not the Hollywood caricature of the uh, butcher in the in the back alley with a filthy knife and you know all that stuff. He knew what he was doing, uh-huh. and of course Roe v. Wade put him out of business, which is fine. He's long deceased now. He was an older man in the seventies. But in any case, the, God will not bless the United States of America as long as the scourge of abortion continues legalized abortion so we get we no, thank we thank those of you who who have contributed and those of us who, who have prayed for us and we ask that you would continue to do that okay Absolutely. yeah barry your turn well you know after that i mean you brought up a, an interesting point because as folks are going out now we're in the springtime folks are going to be going outside more shopping more you know running errands more because we're getting past the cold weather and all the mess uh, you're going to be confronted by people with clipboards who are going to be asking you to sign a petition so that they can get on the ballot with the Women's Reproductive Health Care uh, Initiative. Well, folks, what this is, it's an initiative put forward by Planned Parenthood and homosexual rights groups to basically ensconce abortion as law in Ohio, to basically make abortion available all nine months of the pregnancy and to basically take all the protections away that we already have in law for minors, parental consent, et cetera, would be done away with. And because of how broadly the language is written, it would also require, it would also open up the door for more of the transgender surgery nonsense that's been going on and that is rampant in this state. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, all five of, the, of Ohio's children's hospitals whether Cincinnati, Columbus, Nationwide Children's in Columbus, Cleveland, uh, Toledo, or other places, every one of them now has a gender clinic so that they can bring young kids in, start them on cross-sex hormones and uh, puberty blockers, and move them toward getting genital reassignment surgeries. This initiative, which is supported for women's health care, actually doesn't do anything for the health care of 
unborn children or of children who would be subject to these type of uh, initiatives that are coming out and, you know, they're being guided into by, by the medical industrial complex who stands to make lifetime profits from causing a young person to take these hormones, which sterilize them and cause other issues, um, the severe osteoporosis, other things, four times greater, excuse me, 40 times greater uh, suicidal ideations coming from this type of stuff, and that they would have to be on these hormones and or uh, anti-rejection medications, depending on how much surgery they get for the rest of their lives. It's a big money grab for the medical industry, and it's at the cost of our children. And so there's folks out there right now, and they're being funded uh, by, uh, by the medical industry. Um, a lot of doctors, a lot of healthcare entities are putting money into this so that they can keep a steady flow of people coming in for abortions and for these experimental surgeries. Uh, because that's where the new money is. And so if you're out there and I just, you know, somebody I know on Facebook just posted that they were at the gas station and sure enough, they walked out and here's this person with a clipboard asking them to sign this petition. Of course, they knew what it was about already because thankfully for the first time, Chuck, I would say in my lifetime, the conservative side of the issue actually got out early and is messaging and explaining to people what this actually really does and why it's so bad. And so this person was equipped so that she looked the person right in the face and said, this doesn't protect the women or the unborn children. And frankly, it's absolutely horrendous that you're out here trying to collect signatures for this and turn them down. So and she said that the woman who was collecting the signatures just kind of looked at her shocked, like, uh, uh, what do I say here? And then yeah. walked off. A lot of times these petition collectors probably really believe that what they're doing is protecting women and protecting uh, teenagers. Yeah, well, that's what they've been. That's what they've that's been drilled. What they've been drilled. Does, yeah. but of course, we know that that's not the case. Of course, and because this language is so weak. Now, there's other things that are going on too. Uh, obviously, in order for them to get out there collecting signatures, they had to get past the first round of submitting a summary of the initiative to the Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost, who supposedly says he's pro-life, but who, for the first time since he's been Attorney General, greenlit a petition without having them without challenging the uh, summary. Now, Chuck, you know what their summary was? It was an actual copy of their language. It was verbatim, which means it's not a summary, which means right. it violated the first provision of the law that they have to submit a summary that details what the amendment would do, but in summary fashion. But Dave Yost approved it. So once he approved it, it went to the ballot board. The ballot board, who has to decide whether or not the issue is a single issue or is multiple issues, didn't held a hearing where they didn't have any discussion. Uh, they took very little of any uh, input from the public and voted uh, with a majority. And it's basically there's like seven people on this board. There are two. The secretary of state is on there. And then there are two members from the Senate, two members from the House and two members from the public. Well, they voted to allow them to go ahead and create and collect signatures that it was one issue. But remember, Chuck, we have women's health care, we have abortion, we have transgender issues. There are multiple issues in this bill or in this initiative, but they approved it as one issue, which made it much easier. They only have to collect one set of signatures in order to get on the ballot. Now, they have to collect 430,000 signatures, which isn't necessarily easy. And speaking from someone where we had to collect <laughs> 500,000, I know how hard it can be. Barry, you and I both remember those days of trying to get the, six, the marriage amendment on the, the marriage ballot. Amendment. Yeah. We worked and worked and worked and worked for that. 
oh, I worked day and night for months. I mean, it was just my wife said like six months I didn't see you. And I'm like, yeah, that's about right. They're out there now collecting those signatures. But thankfully, Cincinnati Right to Life and a couple of uh, citizens have sued at the Ohio Supreme Court to make the ballot board go back and split the issue up because it's fairly clear from even a cursory reading of the language that there are multiple things in here and that are not all related to women's health care. Well, um, you know, it's and, a, and Frank, uh, yeah, it, the problem is that the other side, the pro-abortion side says that abortion is health care. That's how yeah. that's how they're justifying this. And we saying, no, abortion is not health care. It's an elective surgery procedure to end a human life. There are those right. are two distinctly different things. Absolutely. And that's uh, where the difference but, lies. Yeah. But but as of yesterday, the same attorney general who greenlit their summary, which wasn't a summary, uh, has now filed to have the case thrown out at the Ohio Supreme Court because as the state's attorney general, he represents the ballot board as a state entity. Dave Yost isn't doing himself any favors right now if he's looking to run for governor in two years because yeah, this the is pro-life not- community is going to realize you know, it, it's the Nuremberg defense. I was just doing what I what I had to do or what I was told to do. And it's like, no, you had you had discretion during this whole thing. And you could have told the ballot board, I have a conflict and I cannot I cannot represent you in this. You're going to have to get somebody else, which has happened before. Yeah. If an attorney general has a conflict, they they can hand it off and private entities can then uh, represent some of these state entities in order to file these these petitions. But no, Yost is trying to basically get the whole thing thrown out of court, which will make it much easier for the pro boards to get to get their signatures. Now, if they have to go back and have to split it up and they have to collect 430,000 signatures on three or four different initiatives, and th- that's going to be much harder. Um, and it's, you know, there's also an initiative at the state legislative level. And I just found out today, Chuck, before we got on here, that, um, you know, Senate Bill, uh, I think it's Senate Bill 2 and Senate Bill 62, are initiatives to, or excuse me, Senate resolution to, are initiatives to put a, a constitutional amendment on the ballot in August of this year, not November, but in August, that would raise the threshold for winning a constitutional ballot initiative to 60% of the vote. Now, Super when, we majority. The yeah. when we did the marriage amendment, we got 62%. So for us, that wouldn't have been that big of a hurdle. But for this issue, it may be if they can get that done, it may be a hurdle. Now, they're having some issues because the House Speaker, Jason Stevens, he of the what we call the Blue 22, uh, where they uh, went to Democrats and got votes in order to get him in as speaker to run out a pro-life speaker, uh, he has basically stated that he's not supportive of the, the uh, push to put an amendment on the ballot like that uh, to, to raise it to 60 percent threshold. However, in the last couple of days, I think he's starting to see that the um, public cry for it, especially against this abortion initiative, is becoming so great that he's in a really bad spot. So now he's starting to soften his position. They've started hearings on these bills in the, in the legislature trying to get them done. Hopefully before, I think they have till July the 5th. Or, no, excuse me. No, no, no. They do not have to July. They have till May the 5th in order to get this done so that the uh, August special election can be held. So they don't have a whole lot of time to get this done, and they have to pass it. Obviously, as a constitutional amendment for the ballot, it has to pass with 60 votes in the House and the Senate. Uh, that shouldn't be a problem in the Senate. 
uh, 60% uh, because the Senate is, has a super majority of 25 Republican members. And I think it only takes 21 to pass. Um, but they're going to have a problem in the House because they have 60, they have a super majority in the House of 67 Republicans. But remember, 22 of them voted for a speaker who was running against a guy who was pro-life and who says he doesn't want this on the ballot. So it's going to be interesting to see with that how that's going to play out. If it does play out and then people go to the August special election, um, we could end up making it much tougher for the pro boards to, to win uh, if they do make it to the ballot. But I would like to see them just not make it to the ballot in the first place with either having to split it up into four different initiatives or uh, just not making the signature count. And of course, the one who's going to be able to make that call is going to be the, sec- the Secretary of State of Ohio, Frank LaRose, who himself is probably lining up to run for governor in two years. So if he could keep, if he keeps them off the ballot by saying that a lot of their signatures weren't valid after the counties file, you know, file their uh, reports when they're checking the signatures, you know, Frank LaRose could end up leapfrogging himself ahead of Dave Yost and others in the charge for 2026 uh, and trying to get there and, and figure out who's going to be the next governor. Right. Well, so there's a lot of things, a lot of things happening here. Yeah. Uh, and, but the one thing that broke today is that conservatives in the Ohio House, led by Derek Maron, who was going to be the speaker until the Jason Stevens uh, rump parliament move, um, and who had been voted by his colleagues in a caucus as being the next person they're going to have for speaker, has led, he's leading a petition charge to do a discharge petition to bring the bill directly to the floor for the 60% threshold vote in August. Um, they are circulating the petition among the members right now. And when they get 50 vote, 50 members signing, uh, they can put it directly to the floor and bypass the committee process and go straight to the floor. Okay. So that, Perfect. that has started today. Um, and, uh, you know, he's got about 35 Republican members who are very loyal to him. So they'll have at least that many votes or signatures. They just have to get signatures from some of the 22 who voted for Stevens, because I'll tell you right now, none of the 32 Democrat members of the Ohio House will, will sign. For no, absolutely not. Barry, do you, uh, famously, do you remember what Air, um, Senator uh, Everett Dirksen said? I know you do. Oh, which one? I mean, a billionaire, a billionaire, and you're talking about real money now. <laughs> nope. When I feel the heat. I see the light. I see the light. This is what uh, maybe what's happening. Uh, yeah, it could be. Uh, Jason Stevens may be feeling enough heat that he's starting to see some light. And also uh, uh, the Blue 22, some of them may be beginning to feel the heat. Well, I know one of them is feeling it right now because last week, last Friday, the Cuyahoga County Republican Party, that's Cleveland area, Cuyahoga County Republican Party, uh, had a disciplinary committee hearing where they uh, moved a motion to the full the full uh, Republican Central Committee to not only censure State Representative Tom Patton, but to um, repeal his endorsements, to remove him from any seat on the executive or the Central Committee that he held, and to basically give him a vote of no confidence going into where he is going to be running for the state Senate in two years. That that uh, recommendation was was passed uh, overwhelmingly in the disciplinary committee and then sent to the full central committee where they voted. I think it was 71 to 58 
in order to uphold the disciplinary committee's report, which means that State Representative Tom Patton lost his seats in the Cuyahoga County Republican Party, and he's being treated as an outcast. That's real consequences for being part of Blue 22. Patton voted for Jason Stevens after telling people, and as, as the quote from the newspaper said, swearing on his grandchildren's eyes that he was voting for uh, Derek Marin, and then turned around and voted for Jason Stevens. He is, he is now paying a price. He will lose endorsements, which means he will lose party money. And if you're trying to run, now he's been there. I, Tom Patton has been in the legislature for 25 years, okay? He thought he was protected. He thought he was a made man, if, if you like using the mafia terms. They unmade him. Uh, last Friday, he got unmade. And I am hearing that the repercussions are starting to make a lot of the other members of Blue 22 pretty nervous because they're in even more conservative uh, counties where they have to go back to their central committees and, and stand uh, and try to explain. Now, some of them have already been censured, you know, with the same type of censure the state party gave them, which was basically, oh, you're bad. You shouldn't have done that. Slap, slap, slap. But no real penalties. Now these county parties are seeing, oh, you know what? We can we can penalize these guys. We can strip them of their their offices here locally. We can take away money. We can rescind their endorsements. We can turn them into pariahs. And that's what's starting to happen. And honestly, you do that to two or three more of them, Jason Stevens won't have a cause. No. They will run away from him as fast as they can run away. That's right. Because that is that is their lifeblood is going back and getting the county parties to endorse them, put their name and faces on a slate card, get their local local workers to go out and knock on doors and make phone calls for them. Without that, the state party can't give them that kind of, that much support. Right. And 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 also when that begins to happen, um they do feel that heat. Yes, uh, they do. it can embolden other county uh other county uh um Parties, central committees, yeah, central committees, to do the same thing, uh, and it also makes the speaker should sweat that if you do something really bad, we're really going to turn the heat up. Uh, uh, all it takes is two or three of those to have happen, and then uh, um, you know it, it could lead to a, a, a no confidence vote for the speaker. Well, yeah, absolutely, because when he starts losing people from his caucus, and they start coming back over to Marin and saying, you know, we made a mistake. Then you know it's, sometimes there is a time to say, "Well, we're going to we're going to cast a vote of no confidence in the speaker and get him out of there," because he holds the speaker holds his seat at the will of the caucus. Right. He is a cre- the speaker is a creature of the caucus. Okay. Now they blew the caucus procedure by this by Stevens running over and getting the Democrats to all vote for him. So in in reality. He is the Democrats' speaker, not the Republican speaker. Right. It's a time when the when the majority allowed themselves to be to be uh, subverted by the minority. Uh, mm-hmm. over- and it wasn't the first time it happened because no, no. Larry Householder pulled the same thing to get to be speaker when he was speaker. Sure, he pulled strings and he made promises. Um, didn't he get? He just got convicted, didn't he? Yep, um, there the sentencing is going to be coming up. I think next month. So even though the legislature jumped the gun and and threw him out before his conviction, um, nonetheless, 
uh, he is guilty. Uh, shocking no one. Um, uh, everybody knew he'd done it. Uh, the only thing really out there is one of the big defendants that one of the, the money, one, one of the money bags committed suicide, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was a uh, lobbyist, Neil Clark. Um, Neil Clark. The guy I used to call the Prince of Darkness. Yes. Yes. We, we had an, we had an awful lot of time fighting him over things. He represented strip clubs against our, uh, initiative to, to close them. He represented the gay rights groups when we were doing the marriage amendment. So you could see where this guy's loyalties was, but he was very loyal to Larry Householder. And when things started closing in, he went to Naples, Florida, to his home down there, went out and took a gun and killed himself while wearing a Mike DeWine for Governor T-shirt, which <laughs> anybody at the state house looked at that and said, oh, he was sending a message. He's he sending was- a message of who is actually the, at the top of the pyramid on this House Bill 6 scandal and was, you know, the bribes and everything else. Well, and, and you, you and I have talked about the fact that, you know, the, the chickens couldn't come home to roost yet. No, not yet. I still believe that uh, either Householder or Matt Borges, the two who were just convicted of racketeering and money laundering, which, you know, those are some pretty serious federal charges. They are. In relation to this, are going to roll over and they're going to point fingers in order to get a few other people like, uh, I, you know, and my crystal ball says it's Mike DeWine and John Houston that are probably sweating it the most because they had to weigh in in order to get the House Bill 6 passed. Sure. Which meant that they were weighing in with the company and probably were being promised lots and lots of campaign money in order to get it done. The way it's often done. Now, here's the bad part. Uh, mm-hmm. Democrats will sit around and cry and scream if that happens. And say, see, it's 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 uh, it's pack money. Mm-hmm. And what they'll try to do is introduce a bill, uh, like all the pack, uh, all the pack money restriction bills, that uh, say, yeah, you can't take uh, packs can't, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna restrict them except for unions, right? Except for citizens groups, um, except and and everybody who gives money to the democratic side will be exempted uh john mccain was infamous for a campaign financing law that he was a co-sponsor of that did just that the sobranus oxley yes yep. sarbane oxley sarbanes and i think the supreme court basically dismantled most of that if i remember right yeah, they dismantled large parts of it. Um, and the Citizen United case helped dismantle the rest of it, I think. Yes, I think you're, you're correct because it was grotesquely unfair. Why John McCain would want to defund Republican, normal sources of Republican money. The only thing I can figure it, McCain was one of those guys that, that was a unipartyist. If you've ever heard the phrase, the uniparty, what it means yes. is the, uh, the unkempt middle of both parties, the slightly more conservative Democrats, the the more liberal Republicans who get together and say, Oh gosh, well, we don't want to eliminate the second amendment. We just want to confiscate all guns. We just want to make all guns illegal. And, but, but keep the second amendment intact. That's the kind of logic that you get out of those groups. And as you know, and and by the way, um, really Barry, I want to say, how incredibly sad I am about this shooting down in, in Nashville, Tennessee. 
Yeah, we want to talk about that too. Um, um, it, it's yeah. absolutely despicable how the twisting of this by the left and by the mainstream media into something it is not. I, I, I am, um, first of all, getting to find out whether this person who did this was a male or a female by birth. Was it was was a girl by birth who identified as a as a man? Okay. Are you sure? Uh, yeah, I'm absolutely positive. Okay. okay. I have been looking at this because, folks, this happened at a school that's associated with my denomination, the Presbyterian Church in America. Covenant School was part of Covenant Presbyterian, um, and uh, the loss of life hit pretty close to home for a lot of us because one of the little girls, this nine-year-old who was shot and killed, was the daughter of the pastor of Covenant uh, Church. Right. Um, and it was uh, it's very, very, you know, heart-wrenching for all of us. Um, and the sad part about it is now the media is trying to spin that her parents, the, the, the uh, this Audrey Hale, who was the shooter, who ha- had been, her mind had been twisted by this transgender ideology. Now, remember, she's 28 years old. She's an adult. She should know better. Yeah. Her mind was twisted by the ideology, but now the media is trying to spin it that, oh, because her family, her parents were PCA members, that somehow their religious beliefs were what, you know, were the um, culprit here and not her own twisted logic in her own mind that she was something she's not. And that because people would not accept that or wouldn't embrace that and live in her her deluded fantasy world, then therefore then they were less than human and she was legitimized in in shooting them and killing them. Uh, Now, we're also seeing that there's like a, a large segment of this trans community that are prone to or embrace violence. And as a matter of fact, they, they're scheduling for this weekend, a uh, trans uh, day of vengeance. Um, and as you saw, I, I think it was just yesterday, the spoke, the press secretary for the Democrat governor in Arizona, uh, who uh, Katie Hobbs, who uh, beat Carrie Lake illegitimately, Oh, the direction from Carrie Lake. Had, yeah. had to resign because she posted a tweet with a woman holding two guns and saying, you know, this is what we want to do to all trans folks, you know, which i.e., you know, if you don't accept trans ideology and you like want to protect children from this nightmare of these surgeries and, and the medical industrial complex making money off them for the rest of their life, somehow you don't deserve to live. Um, and, and so that person got fired. Um, you're seeing all kinds of posts from like the Hollywood left, nobody offering any condolences, just all of them screaming about guns and how horrible Republicans are because they're uh, intimidating trans kids with all these bans on a, a surgery. Now, the point is, we're protecting kids from being wrecked uh, with these bans on surgery. Ohio is working on one right now. Uh, we call it the SAFE Act. We're trying to get it through the legislature. And just in the last week, Chuck, uh, Tennessee, Indiana, West Virginia, and Kentucky have all passed the the, uh, the SAFE Act in one form or the other. As a matter of fact, Kentucky did it. Their governor, Ron Bashir, a Democrat, vetoed it. They went back in yesterday and overrode his veto overwhelmingly and put it into law. Um, Indiana just finished it up, and they're sending it to their governor, who's likely to sign it. Tennessee just passed theirs. And of course, this, this shooting happened at Covenant Presbyterian in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, and so they think that that may have been part of this Audrey Hale's 
you know, insanity of, you know, feeling like, oh, you know, I got to go do something and show that I'm opposed to all this. Well, you could have gone out and, you know, gone to the state house and brought your sign and petitioned and, right. you and gone in and testif- testified on a bill. No, she took, now again, they keep saying assault weapons, Chuck. What we found out is what she had were carbines that take rifle shells, not uh, AR-15s that are semi-automatic machine guns. Vice versa, so you even, said rifle shells. They take pistol. Pistol, pistol shells, pistol that's right, ammunition. not rifle shells. Yeah, That's exactly, they take pistol ammunition. So therefore, the media can't even get right what type of weapons that this person was using. Well, but what we do know is she used it to kill three adults and three nine-year-old kids, um, all because she wanted everybody to accept what she wanted in her own mind. That's right. Now, uh, we should point out this this person was a graduate of the the church school. Yes. Yeah, she had graduated from Covenant. Yeah, she had graduated from Covenant 10 years ago. Right. 10 or more years ago. She was uh, now. Why is everybody saying uh, they started out with saying it was an AR-15? Now they're an AR-15 alike. Why why the uh, what's the deal with the AR-15? The AR-15 because the left has made it the scary black rifle exactly. of everybody's nightmares. It looks it looks uh, mean because it's black. Um, and, uh, it, you know, this is the choice of school shooters. So instead of doing what makes sense, we, we are blaming the weapon. Okay. Okay. Let's say we, uh, somebody in Congress, uh, takes the emotional tide and decides to, uh, uh we're going to ban now AR-15s, the, the ownership and the sale of AR-15s. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. What's the next choice for school shooters? What do you think? Well, that's, would a, be? that's a good question. Probably pistols. Uh, maybe an SKS, maybe an AK-47. Remember, AK-47s were the bugaboo for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, that went away and it became AR-15s. Um, it'll be, name something, it'll be a, some semi-automatic pistol, which they'll call an automatic Um because first of all, people in the news media don't have the first clue about shooting a gun. I can still remember several years ago, we actually, I think we put it on our website years ago, uh, some reporter who went out and paid to shoot an AR-15 and put it up to their shoulder and pulled the trigger and started weeping weeping over the uh, oh the horror and the the pain and the shock of this recoil from this AR15 Barry anybody who shot an AR15 knows that a 10-year-old kid can shoot an AR15 and feel confident in doing it because the recoil is next to nothing oh it it's a light airbrush on your shoulder uh, AK- okay Chuck I'm going to say I have shot both an AR15 and an AK47 the AK-47 will tear your shoulder off. Uh, depends, but yeah. I, I, now, for instance, I, I own an SKS. 
which is the Chinese version of the AK-47. Same. Uh, uh, I, I was I was using the the Czech version of an AK-47. Yeah, you've it, got the one with the banana clip and the and with the, the banana. Yeah, and the heavy and the heavy and the heavy uh, gauge barrel. Yeah. Oh yeah, the banana clip also is a, is a uh, is a bugaboo. Uh, yeah, banana clip, banana clip, banana clip. Um, the uh, um. By the way, I have a banana clip for my SKS. <laughs> I've never put it on, but I've got one. Um, because, uh, unlike the AK 47, the SKS has a magazine, which means you have to load it with a stripper clip. Um, it's not like, uh, the, uh, AR 15 has a clip that comes out and you load the clip and put it back in the, uh, um, the SKS has a magazine. Well, anyway, I, 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 I again, a 10 year old child can shoot an SKS. It's a little more of a recoil than, a, than an AR 15. Not much. The only difference is that the uh, the SKS shoots a 7.62 round, which is 30 caliber, and the uh, AR-15 shoots a. Um, it depends on what type you have. It it shoots a uh, 223, but it also uh, some of them will shoot a uh, five. Uh, oh gosh, what is it? Five fifty. Five fifty six. Which is oh, a yeah, 556, yeah. Yeah, which is a 223 in metric. The 556 is a slightly different load. It's a heavier load with a bigger bullet. And because that's a, that is a military round, the one I shoot, uh, mine won't shoot those, or supposedly. There's a debate. I've never shot a 556 through it. I always shoot uh 223 through it. But the fact is, th- those are. Uh, Easily shot rounds. Now I have an M1 that I wouldn't let an, a ten-year-old touch. Um, that's a thirty-odd six round, and I had one that was a three hundred eight, and I, I traded that in for a, uh, a forty-five auto. I, I traded it in for a nineteen eleven from uh, Springfield Armory, but mm-hmm. I have an M1 again. That's a kick. Um, but. What people don't know is a lot of the what should be there as a kick is taken up in what? In reloading the weapon. In other words, the gas from the discharge goes through and brings the bolt back, which is what makes it a semi-automatic rifle. It reload it puts another bullet in the chamber. So a great deal of the discharge from the round goes into reloading the weapon. Uh, maybe some of you didn't want this lesson, but the fact is that, uh, um, this girl did not have an AR 15. She, she had one of these things that is really a long barrel pistol. Um, you can see a picture of it. They've got pictures of what she was armed with, uh, from the security footage. Now. I, I had one out with somebody already online. Of course, the gun banners are out there. Of course. And uh, um, the head of one of the teachers' unions is out there. Ban guns, ban guns, ban guns. And I said, okay, stop. Mm-hmm. Why? This is the same radical woman who basically uh, was instrumental in getting schools closed down for two years. Um, yep. So, yeah, she should be listened to because everything they Rand, said. Randy, that, it's Randy Weingarten who yes, is the head Randy of Weingarten. That's exactly Confederation of Teachers. Well, I made a comment on on a post, and I just said, okay. So we'd rather ban the gun than actually arm administrators and teachers who are competent 
in in weapons have been trained in how to use a weapon or are uh, um uh, you know competent in their use and know not to shoot their kids um and keeping an armed guard on the premises because an armed guard would stop these people the minute that girl shot up the door to get in which is what she did somebody would hear those shots and retrieve their weapon and begin to be ready to protect those kids. Instead, we make them gun-free zones, which is absurd. It's basically painting a sign on the front that says, protection-free targets inside. Yeah, that's Shooting. true. Now, what, what gets brought up is, uh, oh, you just want to make schools a shooting gallery. Uh, no, that's the exact off. They're already a shooting gallery because if you know what a shooting gallery is, if you've ever shot in one, the targets don't shoot back. You shoot. That's true. You shoot at a target. It can't hit you. It can't hurt you. It can't do anything to you. You just shoot at it and hit it, hopefully, so you win your prize. Mm-hmm. What I want to do is make it a fully protected children's zone and have people there who can engage these people and take them out before they kill any children. And See, now, Ohio did it right. When we passed our laws regarding that, you are allowed to have people on staff uh, at the schools who are armed. Um, it is not required. You do not have to have law enforcement. You can have someone who has, the, you, they have to go through training, but they, but they can be like any, a member of staff, anybody else, who is armed to be able to provide that defense. Now, what I'm worried about, Chuck, and, and I, you can talk to this too, is that I can see where the gun banners might start pushing this idea that all, all these non-public, these private schools aren't safe. So we have to go in and regulate them more and require them to have uh, armed law enforcement personnel on site while the school is open and then thus drive up the costs for private education so that it becomes harder and harder for these private schools to be able to operate. Because that's ultimately the goal of both the gun banners and, of course, the uh, public education system is to get rid of the competition. Well, there's a desperate uh, – this does play into the idea that we need to herd all the children out of homeschools and out of private schools into the public schools. I mean, there is a concerted effort to do that. Um you uh, the uh, and th- this is part and parcel. I'm not g- so conspiracy minded that I'm saying that uh, there are some kind of neuroactivators that are being used on these people. No, they're legitimately uh, um, mentally ill. Uh, clearly, this person who wants to be the opposite sex, and let, let's call us a, a spade a spade here. People that have gender dysphoria and want to be members of the opposite sex are mentally ill. Now that may yes. get us, that may get us in trouble. I don't. I don't care. I I, I will say that to their face. Yeah, you're mentally ill. You are mentally ill, and and, and, inst- and instead of accommodating your mental illness, I think you need to go get help. That's right. Why don't you go get some counseling and figure out why you have this horrific gender dysphoria? Now, that's not to say that there aren't people out there who have genetic issues that give them uh hermaphroditism you know uh, characteristics of both sexes those cases are so ultra rare 
that it's mm -hmm, that's really true. worth discussing. Um, the, I, I am aware of all kinds of, of, of oddities that can happen. Most people do not find that, for instance, they're polysomy 23. That's what it's called. You have, uh, uh, instead of having an X, double X or, a, or an XY, you might have an XXY or an XYY or an XYY or an XXXY. Some of those are fatal. If you get those combinations, you know, uh, the, these genetic mistakes, but they're also exceedingly rare. People try to bring this up as a, uh, um, a, a, as a legitimate argument for what we, you know, most people never find out that they're polysomy until they can't figure out why the woman can't get pregnant. And they go in and discover, they do a genetic test and they discover that she is XXY. She has female characteristics, mm -hmm. but she has a Y chromosome. And what does that do to her? If there's a Y, you're a guy. She's really a male. She's a male with female characteristics. Again, about yeah, but that, but 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 that's about like point oh oh one percent of the population. It's one in about between seven and ten thousand births. Yeah, that's a low number, Barry. There's a, it's a small number of people. Um, and again, most people don't figure that out. They live on, they live their lives as happily married couple, man and woman couple until they figure out this out. And it doesn't really change the woman's status. She still lives no. her life as a woman because she has female hormones. And the only thing she, she doesn't have is eggs. But. You know, what do they say? They use the exception to prove the rule. Exactly. So, oh, so if, if that if that's the case, then, yeah, you know, we have to have all this gender change uh, surgery because, well, you know, that like less than one with one thousand one thousandth of a percent, you know, could be affected if we don't push it on everybody. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So we're going to use the anomaly as to, to make the rule. Uh, yep. Again, as you said, the exception makes the rule. You can't do that. And and it's a it just shut people down when they do that. Okay, let, let's talk about apples and apples here. We're talking yeah. about people with normal genomes who have gender dysphoria. Yes. Uh you who, know who have who have XX or XY straight up the regular number of chromosomes, but they're not happy mentally because they have been led to believe or been deluded that somehow if they were just the other sex, they'd be happier. Well, Bruce Jenner. Yeah. Uh, look, the man won the decathlon in, uh, what? 76, 76, yeah. 76 Olympics. He was a decathlon athlete. You can't be, uh, you, you can't be a lightweight and win the decathlon. No. Um, and he had a brilliant strategy and, you know, he, he, and all of a sudden uh, now there was a rumor floating around years and years and years ago that he wanted to transition, but he didn't, he got, he got remarried. He got divorced from his first wife who put up with him while he was training for the decathlon, yes. uh, you know, and he, and he got remarried of course, to Chris Jenner. Um, and, uh, um, hit, Believe it or not, her ex-husband went to her and said, don't marry him. He's 
he had he wants to transition to uh yeah. female and she didn't listen and of course their marriage broke up because he years, to female. Years, and years and years later tried to do the transition to female which you can't do because there are people barry that believe that once you take the hormones and you have the surgery that your genome changes uh no that's not possible no, you can't do that <laughs> Uh, that that is a metaphysical impossibility that's right it it, it's essentially it's an absurdity uh but there are people that believe that um why because we're playing look as i put it to somebody uh when i ask you are you sure this is a female identifying as a male i the reason i asked that i looked at stories all over the place you couldn't get a straight answer and I said, okay, here's what we're doing in, in our country right now. That's confusing everybody. We're playing three card Monty with sexual identity. You, you know what three card Monty is? You go out in the street. Oh, yeah. There's a guy with the bent cards and he and he shows Where's you the queen. Where's, Where's the queen? The queen? Yeah. Where's the queen? Where's the queen? And he shuffles them. You can never get the queen. Why? Cause he's palming the cards. And that's what's happening. People are palming the cards. You can never guess really who the queen is or who the king is or anything. Uh, when you hear the phrase transgender male, if you are not confused, then congratulations, because I am. There is no such thing as a as transgender. You, That's you, right. You are what you are. Uh, you're dressing up in a costume and you're having surgery to make yourself look like these look there are people that have been doing all kinds of stuff there are furries who have themselves uh surgically transformed into into these creatures that they that they identify with there are people who dress up as mermaids and put on mermaid fins and go to the pool and the, some pools have said you can't do that here you'll drown in that thing because they've rescued people who have gone into the pool with these mermaid fins on and can't swim. So, look, people do all kinds of strange things, um, and we cannot allow that to drive the narrative. And we yep. shouldn't allow that. Anytime someone says transgender male, no. I mean, I, I try to call it out whenever... Uh, on this particular story, I was getting stuff from all over the place, and I couldn't sort it out. Okay. Whenever I hear that, I stop and say, okay, it's either a mentally ill woman or a mentally ill man. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's it. That's there that's all there is. Yeah. You're either, you're either healthy and adjusted or you're mentally ill, and Look, these folks are mentally ill. God has made it very clear that, uh, uh, you know, the, the talk in the Bible, the ban is on cross-dressing. But it's beyond that. Uh, the the equity of the law, a term that the left loves these days, which and meaning they don't really understand it. The equity of the law. Yeah. By the way, we're we we Barry and I would both call ourselves general equity, uh, general equity of the law people. Yes, absolutely. Uh, as it, as stated in the Westminster Confession of Faith. Um, That's uh, right. It, the general equity is. Men who are acting like women and vice versa, women who are acting like men. Now, can you pull out places where uh, women 
were ended up having to step in and do men's duties. Yeah, you can pull that out, Deborah. Yeah, everybody runs to Deborah, and I say, well, the reason why she did it was because uh, uh, Barak would not Wouldn't take his it. rightful place, and he was running away from God's responsibility. And Deborah had to step in it, it temporarily, but she never took it over. Yeah, the way it worked was he wouldn't go unless she went. Right. And and he he did go. And he did do the job, but she really was the uh she really was the spark plug for getting the the job done. And mm-hmm. isn't that the one where Cicera drove the tent peg through the, the tent peg through through uh, uh the the skull, yeah. That's right. Cicera was a woman as well. No, no, no. That Cicera was the guy who got the tent peg. JL was JL. the was the woman who I'm sorry. She, You're right. He was on he was on the run from Barak's troops and she brought she coaxed him to come into the tent, gave him warm milk, got him sleepy and then drove a tent peg through his head. While he was asleep, she drove a tent peg yep. through his head. Yeah. Again, these these brave women who who did the things that the men should have been doing and didn't. Um it's a shame on men when that happens. When women have to take on the man's role, what who's who is the uh, the party who is shamed? It's us. It's the men, and men taking on women's uh, things. That doesn't mean you know doing the housework and that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being head of household, being. Uh, the defender of your family, being the, uh, the leader of your family, being the leader in your church. That's true manhood. And you don't have to lift weights and, you know, uh, be gruff. Mm-hmm. That's not what it's about. It's being the leader. It's being the man who who leads their family in in uh, devotions and those kinds of things. Absolutely. And it's the man who takes the leadership role, governs himself, helps govern his church, help uh, governs his family, and helps govern his his uh, civil communities, his civil government. That's right. Absolutely. And uh, we're we're running short on time here. Uh, I figured we might be. We got about a minute. Um, but, uh, um, Barry, that, that we're in, we're in dark times and what used to be a joke. I mean, uh, let's face it. The uh, Milton Burrow, uh, made half a career out of showing up in, 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 uh, a dress and, uh, with a cigar and, you know, all that stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was funny and it was done for laughs. It was not done to, uh, try to soften society into accepting that as an, as an acceptable thing. Uh, everybody knew he was playing it for laughs and he got laughed at because it was funny. Uh, mm-hmm. true. No, it's not funny anymore. Um, it's, it's now, uh, we have, uh, uh, people serving in high office who are deranged in this way. Oh, well, yeah. The, uh, what? Uh, Undersecretary for Health and Human Services is a guy running around in a dress. Yeah. Um, I'm taking a woman's name. And uh, one of the ugliest women I think I've ever seen. 
Uh, and that's because he's not a woman. He's not a woman. That's right. He's a man. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. He's not a man. He's a male. Well, there you go. I've taken to stop. I don't call those people men. They're not men. They're males. They're just males. Yeah. Well, we're out of time. All right. Well, that's been a great one. Uh, uh, thank you for coming on with me today. Uh, you know what we think. We want to know what you think. www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. And please join us again next week for another Principles and Policies.